One thing that I, I, I'm very uh, convinced about and I prove it to myself time and time again is the ability to see things to make them happen. And I've mm. proved that again and again, as I said, where if you can really see something, you can definitely achieve it. And if I had to go back to when I was younger, um, even now with my own children, uh, you know, I always install the thinking that you can really achieve anything you want. And you know, of course, education is important. And of course, having that formality in, 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 in you know, in your, you know, just in, in, in the way forward that you get put through in terms of the education and stuff. I think that is, is, it's great, but it's not, it's not what you need to be successful in life. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. At least sort of in business life, you know, mm. and it's not a dependency. And if you don't have an education, you can still, you know, achieve so much. Mm. And that is my case because I, you know, I didn't go to university. I didn't, you know, uh, f- finish university. And so mm. I didn't need that to be ultimately what's deemed as successful today. You're listening to Series 2 of the official podcast for the Festival of Enterprise with me, your host, Alex Chisnell. Join thousands of other established entrepreneurs and business people for free at Olympia in London from April the 28th to 29th, 2020. Just go to festivalofenterprise.co.uk to get your free ticket. The Festival of Enterprise is the event for any small and medium business looking to grow faster. This event will reward you for taking a day or two from working in your business to working on your business. We'll provide you with access to the most useful, tested methods of developing your businesses. We help you sustain, grow, scale and thrive faster and for longer than where you stand today. And for exhibitors and sponsors, we provide direct access to the UK businesses and individuals that are the most primed for growth. Festival of Enterprise is the home for entrepreneurs. Get your free ticket to this April's Festival of Enterprise at Olympia in London by going to festivalofenterprise.co.uk. Welcome to episode six from the official Festival of Enterprise podcast. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and in this week's episode, I chat to Avi Lazaro, who created a global brand, DNA Fit, scaling it to a £20 million business with zero funding, and now has launched Circle DNA, the world's most comprehensive DNA test. Avi's held a lifelong ambition to use genetics to transform the health and wellness for millions of people by striving to reduce and prevent lifestyle-related health conditions so we can all live healthier and happier lives. What Avi's done is not only make cutting-edge science accessible, but understandable as well. I've known about DNA Fit for a long time from my health and fitness industry days and have followed his journey intently. Avi has one hell of an interesting story from creating the world's first scientifically proven commercial DNA test to being appointed honorary consul for the Republic of South Africa. In this week's episode, we chat about scaling a brand to eight figures with zero funding, using targeted influencers to leverage your brands, and educating your audience on your products and services. You can see Avi speak and ask him your questions direct live at this year's Festival of Enterprise at Olympia in London on April the 28th, 29th. To claim your free ticket, just go to festivalofenterprise.co.uk. I've been working in life sciences now actually for nearly 
20 years or so. When I say that, I feel old. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so about 20 years or so, um, I've been working um, commercializing essentially latest science and taking it into a form that consumers can really understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and y- your personal journey, so you're born in South Africa, is that right? And then you've moved to the UK a decade or so ago? Yeah, b- born in South Africa and even at uh, the age of 16, I sort of didn't at the time want to stay in South Africa. Uh, in fact, what I did was I, um, South Africa just went through its transition, I think it was around about 1992, mm-hmm. which meant there was no more um, uh, uh, sanctions on South Africa, so flexibility became easier for to do things. And yeah. what I mean by that was I then applied for a student visa. Uh, I went on to what was then equivalent of the internet with like bulletin boards and such many, many years ago and found someone who could sponsor me actually to go to school okay. and live with as almost like a guardian. Yeah. So at 16, my family thought I was mature enough to do that. And I just wanted to move on and, and explore the wide world. Yeah. Uh, ended up going to Los Angeles and uh, attending high school. And while I was there, I was working in a sandwich shop and uh, blockbuster video. And for those of your listeners who don't know what it is, it's a it's a place to go and get videos where you have to actually go and get the video and, and, and take it back home with you on a weekly basis. <laughs> and they were huge. <laughs> they were huge. They were huge. They were absolutely. Huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've got a great story to tell you about that because um, it's very relevant to my career. Mm-hmm. But at 16, I'm now 43. When I went for that job at Blockbuster Video, they cut my hair uh, on the weekend to, well, not on the weekend, they cut my hair to check that for my job that was a weekend-based job. You know, I wasn't uh, smoking any marijuana, for example. It was drug testing my hair. And uh, at that time, I thought that was a great idea. And, and please just say I kept the job, by the way, and um, <laughs> as you'd expect. And, and what was interesting, actually, uh, a number of years uh, on, I commercialized the first ever hair alcohol test um, and also hair drug testing using the same technology, but it essentially made this first ever hair alcohol test and, um, and sold that company. Actually, I exited Close Brothers in 2012. But what was very interesting is I was direct competitor to the same company that tested my hair when I was 16. Really? Yes, yeah, so I love that because I kind of came full circle and yeah. effectively took a big market or created a market they never had. Mm. And ultimately, they then followed suit. So I became a, a player against those people uh, for, that I first came across in that scenario. So that technology was there, but it hadn't been commercialized at the time? So uh, that that technology was essentially testing for drug metabolites in hair. So it's quite common. You can take an individual's hair sample um, mm. and or you can do other samples as well not just hair but and hair is a bit like a, a tree trunk you know it has lots of rings going around that give the age mm-hmm. it's not dissimilar with hair you can actually look at the whole uh, length of the hair and like a tree trunk cut it down into one centimeter segments and say if you're looking for drug a b c d or e how much of that drug on average was taken at which period and that that's been a gold standard for some time right and i knew that there would be an opportunity to develop a gold standard for testing alcohol And that ultimately came down to hair and through some professors in Germany, we then took that to market and did very, very well and actually, you know, owned the market as a result. So it was pretty exciting. And uh, what was the motivation at the time, other than, say, maybe the obvious of of, of exiting that company? Had your... um your interests, other things come up on the horizon that you, you wanted to explore further and you thought you'd taken that as far as you could? Or Yeah, well, I mean, if I, if I, if I can go back just a, a moment. I mean, firstly, um, as you you know, for entrepreneurs just have this desire to, to see things and make them happen. And for me, in my whole career, and, you know, I've had now uh, 
two successful exits um, in both of them. It's it's never I've never raised a you know gone and raised money or gone through a traditional you know seed right. funding round and then going to Series A, B, and C or what have you through venture and other routes. Mm-hmm. I've just had to do things and, and and survive and started businesses on credit cards essentially and then made them become successful. So going back, you know, I I, I after I was living in, in the US and working at Blockbuster and working in sandwich shops where I said I would never want to cut sandwiches for anybody again. Um, I then uh, you know, went back to South Africa and then came back to the UK. And then when I was in the UK, <clears throat> excuse me, I started working for Citibank in the technology world and developing uh, global, working on global with global teams. And Citibank at the time sent me around the world doing Check 2000, which was coming into the year 2000, checking all their software was compliant. So suddenly I was finding myself traveling around the world yeah. and got loads of ideas, right? Yeah. And, um, and then my, my next venture, which wasn't a success at all, was I launched an online casino. Um, when iGaming was just becoming a thing yeah. um, and I didn't know enough about business frankly to make it successful but yeah. uh, nevertheless I learned and you know, I moved on from that and that was called GayGamblers.com um, purely because uh, we believed that there was uh, a lot of money in the pink pound yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly there was but it just again my business skills weren't up to scratch at that point so you're where you're ahead of your time given what's happened in the last uh, 10 years yeah yeah no absolutely I mean you know you've got to be dynamic in what you do and what you think and be first to market and, and there were a number of online casinos coming uh, available and you know I thought that that's a segment that no one's really talking to so explored that and you know was, was quite happy with the results but just not enough to make it successful long term uh, and, and what was the next step for you then? Because uh, like you said, you must have had a whole, whole bunch of ideas and it's, um, it's always interesting chatting to entrepreneurs who've done more than one thing because it is, you know, with this classic trait, you just have so many ideas. But how do you um, choose the right one to put into action? Um, which was the, the one loud, shouting the loudest, I suppose, to you at that time? Yeah, well, do you know, actually, um, you know, if I, if I cast my mind back and I think about, you know, that whole experience of the US and then, you know, doing the online casino, uh, I think the next thing for me was actually a life experience, which impacted my decision making. So um, I went through a, a, a need to do a paternity test. And when I did that test, actually, I realized, wow, that was quite a, you know, emotional experience to do, you know, well, you know suddenly you're casting doubt on a situation around you. And, you know, I'm a reasonably um, street smart kind of guy. And I have the ability to go through those emotions and come out of them with an understanding of why I was doing what I was doing and, you know, and deal with the result as it became available. So at the time I thought, well, that's a big life-changing pathway I've just found myself on. And now I want to try and help people who maybe aren't able to diligently go through that processing of thinking and, and management of themselves and their mental health actually in, in the scheme of things so mm-hmm. um so then i set up a dna testing company to do ultimately paternity testing and um and that was um you know really again was uh, a left so i left city bank and was like i needed money so what do you use you use your credit cards and mm-hmm. i had to make this work there was absolutely no way that i wasn't going to and you know the phone started ringing more and more and more and got into a number of uh, broadcast shows uh, this morning with uh, phil schofield at the time and fern britain and so got a lot of awareness around that topic um and then you know progressed that company to 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 wasn't was was it was deemed for success um it was due to list on the alternative stock market the aim market and at the time i actually uh, sold shares to david blunkett who was the, who was a former politician now he's lord david blunkett yeah, and he didn't declare them when he went on when he went into the cabinet with Tony Blair. So what was really interesting is that he didn't declare them, and there was a big political push to almost like get him out of government using 
the proxy of the company as the as the way to do that. Mm. And that was a big lesson for me because actually the company didn't survive as a result. Our investors pulled out. We didn't list on AIM. Um, and the lesson was, was, you know, from a governance perspective, it's very important to understand who you're dealing with, who is on your board, who you're interacting with and what those consequences could be. Mm. And I'm pleased to say in that situation, I learned very quickly on, you know, just working with, you know, politicians, you know, what, what that could mean if, if it's not done in a way which, um, you know, is, is uh, appropriated correctly uh, and what not to do and, you know, and, and how to set up a board and how to make sure that people on the board are checked for their background and their skills and all these things that you now know as a more mature business person that mm-hmm. makes a good, successful company. Yeah. So that was the, a big learning, but also a great pathway to the next venture. Yeah. And, and the next venture, of course, going back to our beginning of the conversation was the drug testing company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can I just throw this quote at you, which, which I picked up? So, change begins with understanding. Understanding lies in genetics. Genetics leads to action. Action leads to change. Where, where did that come from? Whose um, who's words were those? Are those your words? I, you know, that those definitely do sound like, like something I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. typically when I give quotes like that or when I um, share my story, I like to obviously speak from the heart and that sounds mm. like something I would have said from my heart. So. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant, absolutely No, brilliant. thank you it so just, much. Uh, you, know, you, you get it straight away when, you, when, you, when you're reading those words or you're listening to somebody saying those words. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, one thing that I, I, I'm very uh, convinced about and I prove it to myself time and time again is the ability to see things to make them happen and I've mm. proved that again and again as I said where if you can really see something you can definitely achieve it and you know, if I had to go back to when I was younger um, even now with my own children uh, you know I always install the thinking that you can really achieve anything you want and you know, of course education is important and of course having that formality in, 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 in you know in your you know, just in, in, in the way forward that you get put through in terms of the education and stuff I think that is it's, it's great but it's not it's not what you need to be successful in life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, at least sort of in business life, you know, mm. and it's not a dependency. And if you don't have an education, you can still, you know, achieve so much. Mm. And that is my case because I, you know, I didn't go to university. I didn't, you know, uh, f- finish university. And so yeah. I didn't need that to be ultimately what's deemed as successful today. And how old are your children? Oh, so, so, wow. so, yeah, so I have, uh, f- I have actually, um, well, <laughs> I have to think about them so many. Uh, yeah, uh, so I have one that's 16, um, you know, I have one that's seven, uh, I have one that's uh, 18 months, and I have one that's uh, um, expected in February. Wow. So all, okay. all, all boys. So, all boys, yes, really? So, ah. so yeah. So, so. I, I quit after two girls, so uh, <laughs> just by wanting to, wanting to have a boy, it was like the, my second daughter took three years the night before her third birthday to sleep through the night. Oh, wow. To be my wife alive. <laughs> and everybody goes, every child's different, but it was like, if we have that experience again, I don't think you can survive. And by the way, just on the topic of children, you know, it's quite a, I, I personally think it's a challenge to run your own business, start your own ideas, have the energy, drive, motivation, skills, determination to do all that, and then at the same time, in parallel, make sure you can also apply yourself in the in in the right way with your family, and you know. So absolutely, so yeah. it's the hardest thing. So he's, he's stressing me out. The new new one coming. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so interested to know that from that. Do you, given you've had previous businesses, um, do you like draw a line at a certain time of the day, like when you go home and you like you don't talk about business anymore, or do you think it's it's part of who you are. It's, it's your life. It's not you can't separate work and um, leisure activities like that. 
I, I would honestly say that I, 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 as I'm getting older, I, I definitely try to start to separate a bit of work and, and pleasure, but it's not like that at all. Mm. Um, in, in reality, you know, I'm working all the time. Uh, I always see uh, being an entrepreneur and doing your job as almost like a hobby. So my wife, for example, loves riding horses. She'll do that all the, you know, when she's not at work, she's riding horses. Yeah. For me, when I'm not at work, I'm at work because work is my equivalent to that kind of hobby. Yeah. Which she does use against me, by the way, because when, when I say, hey, you know, I'm doing it because of work, she'll say, no, 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 you're doing it because of a hobby. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but um, I think if I had to separate something, I'm, I'm trying to, as, as difficult as it is, to try and separate technology from from uh, from the, the personal life, if that makes sense. So yeah. I might not separate work because if I don't have technology, I might write my ideas down or conceptualize things out of the technology framework. Mm. And that's the big distinction I'm trying to do because I think it's healthier to do so. Exactly, and I, I can totally relate to that. Um, and I like try to tell my, and mine are uh, nearly 11 and nearly 13. And um, it's difficult, like as soon as you get technology and they, they get their first phone, and then you're trying to tell them, don't spend all the time on the phone, they're like, well, you're on your phone all the time. And I'm like, but I'm running my business with the phone. And, and I, I'm constantly giving them the message that I'm not actually, same as you, I'm not working on the business. I'm, I'm doing what I love. So you just like watching that program. I happen to like reading about something on the phone, but it's literally, like you said, trying to then maybe instead separate the technology and go, okay, so I won't do it on the phone. I'll make a conscious effort because monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And if they literally see you walk in the door looking at your phone, sit down, you're on your phone and you're still doing it at a certain hour at night. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And, and where is it going to go, you know, over the next coming decade? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think, you know, you know, certainly my own self-development, that's something I want to, not just for my children, for my own health perspective, I want to keep that as, at least make distinguished times to keep that separate. Mm. Um, but then saying that, we work in such a fast world where you need to be on top of what's going on and information is flowing very, very quickly. So as you know, I'm working in the DNA testing world currently and, and um, health tech space. Mm. So you really need to have information at your fingertips about what's going on, uh, You know what companies in, in the competitive space are doing, what your competitors are doing, what's in the news flow, what's happening in the political arena, because all of these tidbits of information which you need to be current upon all the time feed into your overall thinking and strategy and daily yeah. fight let's call it to mm. stay ahead keep ahead and do things better yeah yeah mm. and and you know segueing very nicely into uh, what we're talking about um when did you first decide to um take the information that you, you'd learned before with like the first business and actually look at um making DNA testing, um, one, affordable, um, and two, um, more knowledgeable, because I, so a little bit of information can be dangerous to some people, but equally you want, or do you want everybody to access the technology that you're building, or are you looking at a particular niche, do you think? Yeah, so, um, so in terms of uh, people accessing the technology we're building and making it become more available, I mean, the learning from that first DNA testing business was, people who do a DNA paternity test actually need uh, support in the process uh, before doing the test and after the test. Yeah. So inherently yeah. the learning from that was, is anything else you do, you want to have a duty of care to the people you're providing the service. Mm. So in this case, today, we're providing DNA testing. Uh, initially, DNA Fit, which is the, the company which uh, you know I founded and built over six years, mm. was first to market for the purposes of using DNA for nutrition and fitness lifestyle advice. Yeah. 
And even then, the same principles of the learnings were applied by virtue of me making sure we had a team of sports scientists and a, a team of dietitians, which are now growing. We have uh, approximately 33 people in South Africa, not all sports scientists and dietitians, by the way, but a growing team of. Yeah. And they all there to give that duty of care to customers to help them contextualize why they need these results and how they apply to their life and how their life applies to the results and vice versa. Yeah. So um, I think, I think I'm, I've answered your question, but ultimately, you know, all these little learnings that take place in every one of your business experiences uh, culminate into um, a better uh, product or service that you build for, for whatever other thing you do moving forward. And that just happens naturally. I don't really always think about that as a categoric thing I'm going to do. It just happens as you build in the idea and, 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 and the offering as you're moving forward. Mm. Yeah, no, I know DNA Fit. Back from my health and fitness background, that was the, you know, one of the companies that we knew about. And I think it was because... Um, Another business that I've made a podcast for called NPE, American-based company, we're partners with uh, with DNA DNA Fit. Uh, uh, Sean, uh, I forget Sean. You're there, Sean yeah. Greeley. Sean Greeley, yeah, 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 and they did a great job. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Ben Davies and those guys. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still friends with them. Yeah, I speak with Sean all the time. So we just literally launched their podcast six weeks ago for them, and he he got some really cool people to to talk to, you know, in, the, in that space as well. So yeah, no, definitely. So, so I mean, so DNA Fit, of course, as as I'm pleased, you you, you were aware you know mm. just kind of like disrupted the whole space absolutely and, but that yeah. came with challenges i have to tell you and some of those challenges were taking a scientific based product to market and then coming up against uh in some cases scientists who you know didn't have an interest for you to be successful in this right. space and why because mm. sometimes you know and I, and I say this just you know very conservatively and respectfully is that sometimes there are scientists out there who are also trying to commercialize something similar and when someone like us come come to market and we first and we are nimble and we're quick and we're aggressive. Mm. It's not in their interest to publish your publications, for example, if they're doing a peer review in the sector. And so you've got to overcome all those challenges. But I think certainly in the DNA fit case, once we broke through and published the first ever genetic exercise intervention study um, that could stand up to scrutiny and peer review and stuff, then I really think it catapulted out. Our, um, our, our legacy as, as creating that space, you know? So. Mm. And, and, I think I said to you earlier offline, um, speaking to a chap called Naveen Jane yesterday, and I'm trying to remember the exact phrase to use, but it was something like, in the future, disease will be optional. So, something like that. And I was thinking, what was the original mission, the original goal um, when you started DNA Fit, and, and how far into the future were you looking? Yeah, so uh, in terms of the original goal, uh, DNA Fit wanted to use the power of personalization genetics to help people stay healthier and to get results and get sustained results. Mm. Um, and, you know, in terms of the future, we are looking forward, you know, at the time, sort of 10 years, 15 years, where could we be? Right. And we wanted to make sure that when, you know, anybody went into a gym, for example, they would get a DNA test just as the basic premise of starting their routine mm. so that they can effectively get the learnings from their DNA as opposed to trial and error over one, two, three, four, five, six months and, and, and so on. And most cases, by the way, fall off the wagon for not getting results. And mm. um, so I'm pleased to say that actually our data shows, just on that point, our data shows as well as a um, systematic review of about 32,000 pieces of literature um, uh, last year that people that take a DNA test uh, and then get given any interventions of lifestyle interventions. So for example, um, uh, fitness um, training uh, advice or uh, nutrition advice have a much greater adherence. Mm -hmm. 
So kind of we, we're definitely achieving their goal because what that means is we've done here in the UK more than 100,000 tests. And it means that if, we, you know, if our numbers stack up, in majority of those cases, people are taking action based on that. And if they're taking that action and they're making these small changes, they are going to ultimately stay healthier. Yeah. Um, and you know, just to give you examples, I mean, it could be how much coffee you drink. It could be uh, how much fat you have in your diet. It sounds obvious, but when mm. you, know, you know your genetics say, like mine does, by the way, I have a higher risk for um, high cholesterol, I think twice about things that have got high cholesterol. And it's yeah. just knowing this information, mm-hmm. it makes a big difference. Don't forget to get your free ticket to this April's Festival of Enterprise at Olympia in London by going to festivalofenterprise.co.uk. Whether you're an established entrepreneur or a business looking to exhibit or sponsor our next event, get in touch at the Home for Entrepreneurs by going to festivalofenterprise.co.uk. Mm-hmm.